0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: is your girl, the Literary Diva of Blog Talk Radio, and welcome in to a very special show with a very interesting featured guest, um, which we will be bringing on in a few minutes, or let's just say a few seconds, <laughs> don't want to wait too long, but um, welcome in, hopefully everybody is listening in, um, and I want you guys to listen in, this is going to be a very um, in my opinion, a very important interview because <clears throat> um, uh, because of the author's book, um, you know, for me, it's more than a memoir or of sorts or about her life story. It's, just, it's about all of the experiences that she had, and I can't wait to bring her on so that she can fill you guys in about this book. But before we get started, shouts out to all of our live listeners as well as to those who will be listening in later because I know a lot of you can't listen in to the live show. So again, you can play this show back however you can, whenever you can. You know that we appreciate you guys always, no matter what. But um, let's go ahead and jump into this. Now on today's show we have author Rivka, I'm sorry, Rivka Kreeter. I don't want to Mess her name up, um, and she will be with us um, to discuss her new book, Home Free: Adventures of a Child of the Sixties. And I just want to say, Rivka's book takes you on a journey of her life. Now, I did say that you know, you know, it is about her life, but those experiences that she had are, how can I say? Um, While some people may not want to live them over again, but, you know, it really gives you an inside look at what it was all about, um, I guess, during that time in the 60s. Um, And, of course, you know, a lot of you probably weren't around at the time, but... But that's, you know, that's okay. That's okay. It's about sharing, and it's about um, really experiencing and appreciating someone else's experiences as they have grown up and as they have gone through them. Now, I have to say, Moments in this story was very raw um, and uh, very eye-opening. And, you know, I guess I always say that because when it comes to a person's life, um And they talk about what their life was like and, you know, what their experiences were and what they had experienced, you know, um, you're like, wow, you know, because uh, you may know someone that may have experienced like the same thing. I'm I'm sorry, not the same thing, but something similar, you know, um, just to be, you know, I guess no one's experience is the same per se, but you know it could be similar um you know in some of the uh things that they have gone through but you know very raw and i and i say that for a reason but i'm going to let her um talk about that so enough of me talking about her let's go ahead and bring in our featured guest author rifka kreiter hi rifka how are you
0: hi hi sahara thank you so much for your kind introduction
1: Absolutely. Well, I, you know, when I got this book, I was just like, well, wait a minute, JFK? What? Wow. Uh, <laughs> that's, of yes. course, that's just going to stick out, you know, a whole lot to a lot of people. But um, um, before we get into your book, could you tell our listening audience a little bit about you and, 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 and kind of how all this led up to you writing your story?
0: Okay. Um well, let's see. I was um I was born in uh 1945 and uh the child of uh an Emma, my mother, escaped Europe with her family uh just before World War 2 started. I was um from a Jewish family, a German Jewish family, and my mother was kind of a black sheep. So um from a pretty early age, it was just uh, she and I. It was we moved around a lot. I grew up in New York, Manhattan, which was kind of felt like the center of the universe. <laughs> um, and uh, but then we we lived in LA, and you know it was a painful childhood. Which um, and then I went to the high school of performing arts, which was great because I was you know mad for acting. I loved. I was. Just, I wanted to be an actress and um was right at um, uh, graduation when uh, right after i graduated from high school was when uh, the assassination of j f k which was life changing for everyone of of um of my generation and um and by the way that's exactly what you i wanted to communicate kind of the to people who didn't go through that, what it really felt like, Um, you know, how before that, uh, you know, the life, the culture of the 1950s, um, especially if you were like a white middle-class person, everything was, Mm -hmm. um, you know, like all good and father knows best, and, you know, America was always, you know, good and safe. Uh, That was what we all kind of felt, except for, of course, nuclear, you know, having to dive under your desk during during drills. <laughs> In case there was an yeah. atomic war, you, you had to dive under yeah. your desk. We we all did that at school. But anyway, other than that, the culture was kind of, you know, white bread, as we say. And then after the assassination, kind of everything seemed to be thrown into question. And that's where I think the 60s really began. And... Um, I, along with so many people, um, you know, saw that there was a lot of injustice in our country and and was moved to, to do something about it and felt we had to do something about it, uh, whether it was, you know, marching in Mississippi for civil rights or protesting the Vietnam War, which was so painful. Um, and it was so painful largely because everyone of my age, all the men were subject to the draft and they had to face these painful decisions about you know going to fight a war they didn't believe in or somehow avoiding the draft and so the whole country became actually very polarized and and I was uh, it was it was um as painful as it was it was thrilling also because we felt a sense of hope there seemed our, you know, the post-war generation was, was big. I don't know how many millions, but we felt like there were so many of us, and we could change the world. We could make a difference. Yeah.
1: Wow. It's, yeah. It's, I, I, um, not to get off the subject of your story, but um, what do you think about um, in the era of now? of society and yeah. you know, like how they I mean, I'm sure that there is a big difference in in, you know, um you know, and how people are treated and things just like that, but um, do you believe that some of the things are possibly still the same or maybe sort of the same or have they totally yeah. done a change?
0: Well, you know, uh, what I feel I mean I'm appalled by the election results and by some of the yes, actually me
1: too. <laughs> I feel there's so
0: you know there's all the so many of the gains that we did make are under threat right now. Um Absolutely, for example, they are. you know I write I write in in Home Free about you know marching in Mississippi where which was a march for voting rights. You know, it yeah. was Uh, It was uh, people from all over the country marching there to prove to African-Americans that they didn't have to be afraid to register to vote, and and they did register to vote, and things changed in the South. Um, And now those same voting rights are being diminished um, and threatened and and undercut. So, yes, I think it is time for uh, for a new movement, Um, and I feel that people across the country are people of goodwill are now energized to uh, to resist these these reactionary forces that are threatening um the gains that we made uh for, for uh, people of color and as well as for yeah. women. So Oh yes,
1: definitely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. so um, and Yes, a lot that has happened in such a short span of time since the since the um election. And I'm just, you know, I'm just at the, you know, at one point, you know, I'm just like, um, you know, nothing surprises me. But then I'm like, what? Is this really happening? Wow. I know, I
0: know. So we have to, you know, I think it's, you know, I think we're called upon to act again in a similar way. Um, Yeah. yeah, I know that the people of my generation who who acted then are feeling that way and coming out now, and I,
1: right. hopefully people
0: of all the generations uh, will will unite and resist.
1: Yeah, I hope so, too, so that, I mean, you know, that's the only way that we can change some things and hopefully change what is happening. You know, I'm just, wow, I, I just, I'm just, you know, I, we don't wanna be silent but it's like, wow, this is is this really going on in, in yeah. Washington? I can't believe this. Yeah. You
0: know? Yeah. So
1: this it is it is a mess. That's the only word I can think
0: of. Yeah. Right well now. it's you know, it is hard not to be discouraged. And I rely for that, um Sahara, I feel like I mean I have and my book also tells about coming to be, to find a kind of a faith in, in a higher power, if you will, that that's a large sure. part of my journey. And I'm I'm so grateful that I did discover that there is some, something greater than, you know, just the kind of material reality or, or the political realities. And I, I do take solace in that. Um, and that gives me strength to uh, to act, you know, and yeah, do what I can do, you know, to and, and to also to find the right ways to act, to find what yes. actions are going to be the pr- appropriate ones for me to do to contribute to um, to the world.
1: I totally agree, and it's all about how we react, you know, because sometimes... Um, what people uh, may believe uh, is the best way to react may not necessarily be the best way because we don't want to be violent and things just like that
0: yes but it, so that's actually it, again that's a, a part of my story I was just yes. sharing this last night that, that acting out. I mean a lot of my, my acti- activism back then was out of anger out of rage you know there was so much anger at the establishment and at the events that were taking place and i came to feel that those were you know those actions that's not the right place you can't you can't really solve the problem uh, by becoming part of the problem
1: i agree definitely yeah i totally agree with that this is why um I, you know, I really, really, really appreciate you sharing your story because it gives a lot of readers an inside look at what it was like then. And you know, uh, there was so much, you know, just like you stated, there was so much violence, was so much, you know, a lot of uh, uh, negativity. uh, I guess, for lack Mm -hmm. of a better word, that was happening. Um, could you tell us about, or try to give us, um, um, about what some of those experiences was like? You know, per se, as you were in um, Mississippi, because mm-hmm. it re- I mean, it will br- it will drive the point home. And I'm, I'm just going to put it out there; it will drive the point home to African Americans too that, you know, we are all in this together. So I, I'm just, you know, I'm just thankful that I'm talking to you about your experiences during during um during that time.
0: Mhm. Well, um, it started with I was working at a radio station in, in New York and on, it was June 6th. I will never forget it, 1966. Looking at the the cover of the New York Times, they had a picture of a bunch of a, a civil rights leaders who had come to Mississippi to take up the march for voting rights there, and it sh- the photo was of a s- big burly state trooper pushing Dr. King as. And he was stumbling to his knees, and I just got i got i got enraged, I got so angry, and I felt I have to go there and join that march so i I actually left my job that day i
1: wow. begged my
0: my <laughs> boss for a you know for a i said i have to go, and he was sort of a closet liberal, even if the radio station we worked for was very conservative but so he let me go and i I caught a ride down to Mississippi through um the local office of a civil rights organization and um it was a the driver was this uh guy from um uh, from um Williams this fancy college which to me I was like a sort of lower middle class New York girl and he seemed like from another world altogether and then there was this um uh, black uh, ac- um graduate student in philosophy from uh, who was from Illinois and he had never been south before and the other passenger was a secretary at the at the at CORE the the civil rights uh, organization that organized the the trip so we just all you know rode took a ride down south through the you know through the night driving down south and we were all except for Irma we had always the first time going south for any of us so it was pretty scary. I mean, and as the further south we got, we were all feeling kind of scared, and and yet it was you know, it was a great adventure. We we joined the march um, in Mississippi, and we were put up. Irma and I were put up in a kind of a ramshackle house. Um, it was a sharecropper's house, and it was a, you know very the black section of town down there on that march. It was like when the asphalt gave out and there were just dirt roads i would feel safe wow. again because i knew i was in the black section of of town
1: yeah
0: and um anyway and so we joined that march and you know just marched about i think it was eight i did a lot of research so it was i i found out we, we averaged eight miles a day and at, day by day more and more people joined the march coming from all around the country um so it you know grew to, into to be thousands of people towards the end, <clears throat> and one of the most uh, uh pivotal moments for me was we were in um Canton, Mississippi, and we had um we would sleep in these big tents, we would pitch these big tents at night, and we pitched our tents and the school grounds of the segregated black school there and um there was no permit. We hadn't been – the march had not been given a permit to do so. So the police came to to drive us off. And when that happened, you know, Dr. King, we – you know, we were – or, you know, Dr. King, I'll never forget, standing on the um, roof of a car with a bullhorn telling everyone to remain nonviolent and to link arms. So we all linked arms you know wow. like rows and rows of people linking arms facing these cops and i was you know i was i was an angry person <laughs> and i was like push my way to the front i was so mad i was like i'm going to face these guys you know yeah. and i'll never forget what i saw there it it looked like there were is like a row of cops with gas masks on pointing these rifles at us gas masks wow. gas tear gas rifles and i they looked like martians and I had this thought, which later I, I came to feel was what it was like at this moment that I changed from being like a a liberal, you know, m- middle class uh, American to a radical, because the thought I had was, oh, I hope the cops come quickly to protect us. And then I suddenly realized, wait a second, those are the cops. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. So it was when I
0: realized that it was the system that had to be changed.
1: Absolutely. I don't know.
0: Anyway, and then the the you know at the next moment, all these tear gas canisters were fired into the crowd, and
1: wow, it
0: was you know it was amazing. You know, I it was I didn't realize how much tear you know tear tear gas stung your eyes, and of course made you cry, and we all scattered all over town, and yeah.
1: Oh that, that was sad. I I I'm I really applaud everyone that you know went to Mississippi that march you know during that time you know just to you know you know uh battle against the system because you know it just it it it, it was horrible you know but um wow I'm I'm just you know I I have to ask you, after experiencing that, um, what were you, you know, what were your thoughts at night after going through something just like that? Well,
0: it was, you know, it was exhilarating in a way. I mean, first of all, we were, you know, you felt so much a part of a movement. I was with, you know, people of all colors, all ages, all social classes. We were all united to, to fight this injustice. So there was a great sense of exhilaration about it. And also because I had come from, you know, this place of pain and really self-hatred was, you know, my I had this traumatic childhood and I, was, I had not very good feelings about myself. And now as I saw that I was able and willing to stand up for what i believed in you know i started having good feelings about myself that i you know that i could do this and wow. and that of course gave inspiration to to carry on
1: wow that's amazing in your book you write about a lot of um traumatic experiences um and i always ask this question as you were writing about those experiences, um, what were you feeling? Did it really take you back? You know, what were um, were, were there a flood of um, emotions? You know, as you were um, talking about a lot of those um, experiences
0: mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. weren't so good. Yeah, you know? yeah. <clears throat> well, know that first of all, I had. Um, Big part of my journey was psychotherapy, and uh, which was really, I could say, saved my life. Because uh, I had, so I had explored a lot of those feelings. I had come to terms with a lot of those feelings over the years, and and still uh, retain that habit of looking at my feelings, allowing my feelings to be, you know, painful feelings, even to be there and to uh, try to understand them and p- process them. So so it wasn't so much flooded. However, writing a memoir I recommend for everyone because it really does help you come to terms and understand your past in a different way. So uh, that definitely was part of the process.
1: Wow. And you're so right because, you know, you're in a different place in your life when you when you write your memoir, so you, you are so right. Out of all of your experiences that you've had, you know, um, uh, what were the most exciting, um, you know, times? <laughs> uh,
0: well, um, one that, one of the, and I have to say that the, you know, later in, in my life, uh, in my twenties, I, when I sort of became disillusioned with political experiences, um, I also I had been meditating for. I started meditating in 1970, and in my mid twenties, I had um, an amazing experience. I, you know, it was the time of sex, drugs, and rock and roll, and I yeah. did do LSD. <laughs> I did twice two acid trips. (laughs) I wasn't a big druggie. Mm -hmm. However, on an LSD, it was on an LSD trip that was, I have to say, of all the many exciting experiences that that went through my mind when you just asked that question, was perhaps the most exciting in that uh, being uh, introspective as I am, I spent this whole LSD trip talking into a tape recorder and Processing as I did in therapy, so many different things, and except that on the acid, what happened to me, and I feel you know there was grace in this. I would go further than in therapy. You know, a lot of times you get you get naturally get frightened of you know going too deep, and you would you stop, and then you come back next week and you try again. But this that one night on the acid trip. I just kept going further and further in my, you know, into my own inner landscape if you will. And yeah. what happened as the sun came up after a night of doing that, I had an experience that time stopped. Wow. And it's something you can't really explain in words very readily. But time stopped, and somehow I was still there. You know, I was observing all of this, as I had been all night, just kind of observing all this, whatever was going on. And so it was kind of this mystery. Time stopped, and yet I am still here. How can that be? And inside, from deep, deep inside, this answer rolled up, I am that I am. It was voice, my next thought was, oh, this is what Moses heard at the burning bush. And by the way, I was not a religious person at all up to that point. So it was just, it transformed my understanding of who I am on the deepest level. And after that, acid experience, that, that experience. I, I don't think it, you know, it doesn't matter that it was on LSD. It, I right. later started reading, you know, the memoirs of, and words of saints and sages from all different traditions and recognized that they have those experiences and that the teachings of so many um, religions and, and, you know, sacred traditions all point to that same experience um so um, that would have to be the, the pivotal experience of my life
1: yeah, it sounds like it it sounds like it uh it uh, really um, you were really it's almost like you just took a dive into your soul like you just wow this is this is how you know this is me this is this is who i am this is you know and I guess yeah. you know as as I'm you know as I'm listening to you as I'm listening to you talk about this, it sounds like it was a remarkable and just life changing experience for you. Yes. As I think it would be a life changing experience for like anyone. Yes. Yes, so. it does seem that way.
0: So after (laughs) that, I started, I started, that started me on another search because it was like, because of course, you know, the acid wore off and I ultimately returned to, you know, more or less an everyday level of experience. I didn't, couldn't feel that same power and wonder, but I, I started seeking a path that would take me back to that experience to, in a way that I could incorporate it into my, you know, my everyday life. And that right. is uh, ultimately leads my book to its surprise ending.
1: Right. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I guess my question is my other my couple of questions because you've answered a lot of my other questions. <laughs> uh, my other uh, couple of questions is is that what's the reaction or what has the reaction been from your family and friends and people around you um as they have <clears throat> excuse me as they have as they have read it and just you know just really um gotten to know you more
0: uh-huh well um my family my younger family, you know, I have, I'm the oldest of my generation of my family, uh, the oldest of my cousins, and I have um, half-brothers and sisters, and y- yes, I feel they, for, first of all, they learn more about our history than they knew, like my, our grandparents, for example, um, and because I, you know, being the oldest, knew them uh, more than the younger ones did, um, and I don't know if you're thinking about um, did they were they upset by some of the things that I shared? I did change the names of you know for to protect privacy of right. um, many of the people in the book, um, but my friends, um, people of my age, almost universally are saying like, "Yes, this is what we lived through." This is, <laughs> and uh, that's been. Kind of kind of notable, everyone's like it's like yes, oh it brings it brings me back
1: and it really um, it really gives people just people in general, a look inside of you know just from a human perspective, from a woman's perspective, you know of what they had gone through and how they were able to find themselves in the process of just going through um, some things that may have been um, traumatic in the sense. So I I, I can almost say that um, a lot of people um, will, will definitely appreciate your story because um, some people may be able to relate to it. And even if they weren't around during that time, Um, even with some of their experiences, they may be able to take something from it, which I think is always great.
0: Thank you so much. You know, that's been my deepest hope, that people, a reader, would find encouragement and hope from how one person could find her way out of a place of real darkness and despair to a place of happiness that, you know, I mean, that I never even believed existed and that i always have said that if one reader could find hope in from that from my story it would make everything worthwhile
1: absolutely absolutely and you know in today's society um in my lord in my opinion i do believe um that we need all the realness that we can get um <laughs> with what uh-huh. goes on and you know, how the media is and things just like that, sometimes things are blurred tremendously. And um, sometimes some people can't tell the difference between what's real and what's not. But um, this story um, really, I believe, it can open up a person's eyes. Um, even if they don't understand totally what your experiences were all about, at least they can really hone in and kind of get something from it, and then they can look at their own lives and say, wow, you know what, I'm inspired. Maybe I do need to change things up um, in my life or that's around. So um, I think it's a wonderful, um, um, I think your story is wonderful, and I think it would touch a lot of different people.
0: Well, that's, thank you so much.
1: Absolutely. Now, um, do you have, uh, just to uh, give the listeners who may be out there listening, um, do you have any more, um, what's your next stop on your tour, and are you doing any book signings?
0: Ah. Uh, um, well, I, I, so far, let's see, I'll be in, so I'm just in the East Coast. I'm in New Jersey. I'll be at the Montclair, uh, the Watchung Booksellers in Montclair on June 14th. I'll be in the Monticello, New York Library on July 27th, and the Oakland, New Jersey Library on, um, oh, I don't have that date handy, but everyone can check my website, RifkaKrider.com, and I'll be posting all my my events uh, as they come up. I'm hoping to get out to the West Coast sometime in the next few months, too.
1: That would so, be awesome. Oh, yeah, would love it.
0: that would be great. <laughs>
1: that would be great. Um, are you on social media?
0: Facebook, Twitter. A riff, yeah, Facebook,
1: Rivka Kreider, author. Okay. Like my like Twitter. me at Rivka Kreider, author. Are, are, <laughs> you on F- are
0: you? In, I'm not on Twitter. No, no, just just Facebook.
1: But okay, so let me spell okay.
0: my name because some people uh, need, you know, it's a little hard to yes. get. <laughs> R-I-F as in Frank, K-A-K-R-E-I-T-E-R, Rifka Kreider, .com.
1: Okay. And I'm, pr- now, at first I was concerned if I was pronouncing your name the correct way. It is Rifka.
0: That's right, yeah. It's often it's okay. it's, uh, it's often spelled differently cuz it's uh, actually a Hebrew name. So, okay. and we, yes. I tell the story yes. of the name in my book as well. So.
1: Yes, yes it is. Yes it is. Oh my god, uh-huh. that is so true. <laughs> That is so true. I was like, wow, I hope I'm saying her name in the right way, but Yeah. Um I'd like to really thank you for coming on and spending part of your day. With us in sharing your story, um, I think it's inspirational, and um, I think a lot of people will will actually take something from it and I think that she, on your spirit you know on the other side is a is a is a spiritual journey, and I love that. I love when people talk about that.
0: Oh, oh I'm such
1: a fan of that. I'm such oh, a fan that's great. That.
0: <laughs> yeah, it sometimes is, you it know is. it's a little it's a little hard to talk about the spiritual things, but
1: yes. I'm so glad that, oh,
0: that you said that.
1: Yes, it is. Oh, I yeah. totally understand. <laughs> mm-hmm. I totally understand, but I really do appreciate that because it lets a person in and it lets a person get to know you further. So I really do appreciate you. For sharing and writing this book, and you are invited back anytime
0: Wow, thank you so much Sahar. It's been a real pleasure wonderful conversation
1: absolutely absolutely yeah. and um good luck on the rest of your tour and your and at your um book signings and again, thank you so much for sharing and um enjoy the rest of your beautiful Saturday.
0: thanks, same to you
1: all right. All right, everybody, that was Ritka Kreider talking about her book, Home Free Adventures of a Child of the Sixties. And like she said, hey, the book is available on Amazon.com, wherever books are sold. And play this episode back to find out where she's going to be um, signing her books because she did mention some some uh, book signing dates and things of that notion. And, um, you know, I I have to say, um, a story like this that talks about the 60s, and I know a lot of you probably weren't around, um, and I wasn't either, but at the same time, I appreciate Rifka's really, like, her, her openness and the boldness of, of her life, you know, um, some of the things that she went through, you know, how she was upset and, and and things just like that and how she was able to just find peace on the other side and just appreciate life and you know we want you guys to do the same thing and again we appreciate you guys for just tuning in all together because this is important um You know, when we started Literary Diva or Diva's House uh, Talk Radio, um, this was an open forum for so many authors to just get in and tell their story, introduce themselves, introduce their books and things like that. And, you know, I also would like to thank JKS Communications. Sarah over there um, is amazing. (laughs) She brought me Rivka, and I do appreciate that. And after reading Home Free Adventures of a Child of the Sixties, I think I appreciate um, the experiences that individuals had during that time. You know, so many people marched with um, Dr. King. So many people wanted to instill change. So many people wanted to take it further wanted to help and do something, and that's what Rifka did. She left her job, everybody she went down there, and she was there. she was on the front lines and you that is just mad respect, and I do appreciate her for just telling us and giving us you know um, you know uh what her experience was like, and I do appreciate that, I hope that you guys appreciate that as well again, the book is home free Adventures of a Child of the sixties now a lot of you a lot of you all that have parents <laughs> uh were around during that time in the sixties, and I have to say, you know, maybe get to know your parents a little, try to understand what their experiences was like too, you know because sometimes you know you may have some burning questions because some of what goes on today may be similar to what went on then i'm just saying so you know at this you know i guess uh many of you um would have to think about what kind of questions you would ask your parents you know um if you had some questions but if i were you i would ask my parents a lot of different questions you know what were their experiences like did they experience anything Um, that may have changed their outlook, their uh, perspective, you know, like Rivka. You know, um, again, a lot of things can trigger change, and we just need to trigger change, especially now, yes. (laughs) So as we get up out of here, I want to tell you guys about a wonderful vegan show, vegan lifestyle TV show that will be airing on FYI. Um, by host, (laughs) Nafsika. She's amazing. Uh, Take a listen to this.
0: When you think vegan, what comes to mind? A plant-based diet full of boring foods? Maybe a bunch of weak, hungry people moping around? Well, none of it is true. I'm Nafsika. I was born and raised Greek in beautiful Montreal, Canada. Join me as I gather professionals from all walks of life to demonstrate and discuss just how a plant-based diet can change your life and our planet. From protecting our wildlife to strengthening physical and mental health, Plant-Based by Naftika is going to change the entire perspective.
1: All right, everybody, check that out. You can uh, log on to um, uh, plantbasedbynaftika.com and check that out. Um, And uh, see what the show is all about Hey there's nothing wrong with eating vegan Um, Maybe kind of changing your eating habits up just a little bit But she's amazing and I love her and I love the show And I hope that you will too So at this time, thank you guys so much for tuning in. I really appreciate the many of you who took the time to tune in and listen in. And many thanks to Rivka Kreider. And, again, pick up her book, Home Free Adventures of a Child of the 60s. And uh, shout out to JKS Communications, Sarah over there, who is awesome, um, who set this whole thing up. And, um, you know, thanks again, thanks for listening in. And, um, you know, just want to say enjoy your beautiful Saturday and uh, pick up a book and start reading, everybody. God bless you guys.